Welcome to the Peaceful Power Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Clausen, and today I have Jennifer Helene on with us. She is an international expert in health. She's been deeply immersed in cutting-edge nutrition, fitness, and spiritual thought leadership. She's also an entrepreneur and builds programs for health coaching, lifestyle change, and mentoring programs. So welcome to the show today, Jennifer. Thank you so much. It's wonderful to be here. Yeah. So I would love to know a little bit more about your um, wellness field background since you have, it sounds like you, like myself, um, you know, just are a lifelong learner and you like to add things to your repertoire. So I would love to know a little bit more um, how you got into the field. Mm, Great question. Well, actually it came from suffering, which happens to most of us actually. (laughs) Um, When I was seven, um, they realized something wasn't right. Um, with me, like my color was off. Uh, I went to the doctor, my white blood cell count was through the roof. They could not figure out why. And they thought I had leukemia. Mm. So I was in and out of the children's oncology wards for six months or so. And, you know, lo and behold, after the bone marrow biopsy, I didn't have leukemia, but I had a rare bone infection, which put me on antibiotics for about a year intravenously. So imagine being seven, you know, going to school, um, you know, not being able to really uh, walk, uh, you know, it's, it was really rough. And at that time I realized that being in a wheelchair and in the hospital and all the fear and upset surrounding that was just not fun. And it wasn't, you know, my friends were having a lot of fun in their bodies doing stuff that I, I couldn't do. And the resulting impact of all of those medications, you know, really took a toll on my health as I went into adolescence and then young adulthood. And the problems just kept ensuing with bowel problems, skin problems. And once Western medicine failed me, finally, I just, the, the last straw was in my early 20s when I was a Ford model and my skin was just horrendous with acne and just problems. I had to turn to learning something different. And I was on location in Germany and I went to a doctor there, a homeopathic doctor. I'd never been to one before. And he said, well, we need to clean your blood. And I said, clean my blood. You know, like I was saying, like, that didn't make any sense to me at the time. And um, that was really when my journey started to, to, to take my health into my own hands mm-hmm. and to start trying to find solutions to heal myself with problems that the Western medical system only had through pharmaceuticals. Uh, and I had to really learn about my body and how to heal myself because that was the only way. And so it hasn't ended. Um, and that's been you know almost 30 years now. Uh, like yourself, I'm a lifelong learner. And I just keep unveiling the layers. Um, so I got a master's and a, a bachelor's in nutrition. And I traveled the world studying food as medicine. You know, even though I was still in the fashion business, I'd be in Hong Kong and, and you know, I'd, I would just be curious about what the CEO of, of the jacket company we were manufacturing jackets with had in his teacup, you know, it was like, what, what, because I could tell it wasn't just like regular tea, you know, and so I've just been obsessed. Uh, and I got a master chef to try to take healthy eating that tastes good to the masses. Um, I've done all kinds of different things. And the more I, I taught people about food, the more I realized, you know, it was about way more than just the food. So the last decade or so, I've been really focused on mindset and intentions and the spiritual practices um, that integrate, of course, with, you know, fitness uh, or embodiment, I call it nourishment, food, 
and in mindset and or spirituality, depending on kind of where you are on your path. Mm. Wow. What a journey. Wow. Um, one of the things that kind of came up for me, just because you have so many different areas that you've, um, you know, studied and been in, what is kind of maybe some key nuggets from each of those areas, or even one of the biggest nuggets that you've kind of learned along your own journey? Um, I've learned that everything comes from the inside out. Mm. And I love Ayurveda specifically because I am a very tenacious yoga practitioner and yoga is the thing that's been with me all of these years. And through the practice of yoga, I've you know really started to understand the depth of what's happening inside of my body because the practice of yoga asana is just one branch of the whole system of yoga. And then when I spent time in India, it really helped me to see um, what was happening, you know, from the Ayurvedic perspective with the with health and, and how we use herbs and, and we understand our constitution and uh, we look at how we balance. And the internal temperatures that we're actually not taught to read or understand, uh, at least in, in my family, um, I, I didn't really learn from my grandmother or my mother the indications that my body was showing to me. So so first to learn the language of the body and then to learn the language of the heart and the emotions. To me, that's been one of the biggest secrets um, and keys that is, that has propelled me forward and kept taking my health, you know, better, you know, continually upward. And I, I just had a birthday uh, a couple of days ago and I have several friends who've known me for over 20 years and, and individually they reached out to me and said, you know, you're at your best. I've just never seen you so healthy and vibrant and happy. And it meant so much to me mm. because, you know, I, I'm working on it, you know, and of course I teach about it and write programs about it, but, but those have been the key things because at the end of the day, you can't outrun your fork with exercise, right? So you've got to deal with nutrition. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you can't just eat your way to health either. You've got to move. And movement is key, but how are we moving? It has to be for me emotionally engaged movement. And then um, our intention, you know, what's lying underneath of it all is the most important piece, like how I am inside of myself, inside of my heart. Hmm. Yes, that sounds very similar to, you know, same philosophies that I, you know, hold as well and have seen. And one of the things that I always like to get, you know, other people's perspectives on, because I've had a few friends who I share a lot about, you know, listening to your body, but I have found that sometimes people don't know how to do that. And so do you have any tips on ways for um, tips or tricks for people to kind of get in tune with their bodies? If maybe they feel really disconnected right now. That's a really great question. <laughs> and I'll tell you every client that I speak to and I ask them that question, like, how are you really, they don't know. Yeah. And, and sometimes I don't know. So I'm not putting myself above them, right? It's because I'm serving so many people as a mom, as an entrepreneur, um, my dog even, you know, like my home. It's like I'm, I'm constantly giving and that's, I think, our nature as women. And for us to tune into ourselves, though, is the most important piece because the women that I coach are oftentimes busy and, you know, they just don't, they just don't take the time to check in. And that's exactly when they start to do that as a practice their lives transform and they stop sabotaging their health in all the ways they know they shouldn't, right? But they just can't seem to overcome. And so I think there's a reason why our bodies are designed exactly the way they are, right? The nose and the throat, the heart 
and the lungs. And so for me, the practice is really breathing. You know, taking a deep breath, even just one, you know, maybe, and if you can't take three and I have to actually clear my mind and take three deep breaths and, you know, really t- check in. And I think what happens is that when we do that, it can be confronting mm. because there's stuff in the space every day. It's like, well, I'm worried about my kid. I'm worried about my finances. I'm worried about my job. I'm worried, you know, because the anxiety comes up. The fear comes up, the uh, concern, the upset, you know, however you, whatever label is appropriate. And what do you do with that? Like, you know, people are kind of like, well, I don't really want to tap in because well, I don't know what to do with that. And I think the best thing that we can do is just to acknowledge that it's in the space and somehow by just acknowledging that it's in the space without hooking into a story or getting overly dramatic about it or needing to do anything with it per se, just acknowledging it helps to dissipate it. Whereas if you stuff it down, if I stuff it down, it kind of swells, it grows. And so the acknowledgement of it is, is really helpful. And I know that might just seem strange. Um, and then I bring that into my movement practice. That's one of my secrets and tips. I bring it into my movement practice and then I express it, you know, through sound, through movement. Like I figure out where it lives in my body. Okay, there's anxiety. All right. Okay. That's normal. <laughs> okay. It's in my belly. Okay. I'm going to breathe into my belly or I'm going to like move my hips to get it out of my belly. And that might sound unconventional, but it really works for me. How about you? Yeah. I mean, everything you just had said with the movement piece, I think that's something that, uh, you know, embodiment has become kind of something I'm seeing on the social media a lot more this past year. And I think that's kind of opening doors for having movement be that piece that instead of thinking of like, oh, you know, maybe you hate exercise. Like, how can I actually get things to move around? And that's something I do tell people when they're feeling, you know, anxious or they're really struggling to get into their bodies, sometimes sitting and meditating is the hardest thing to do. So instead, can we just dance? Can you just find that movement? Um, so I definitely think that that's, that is a missing piece um, and a different way to look at exercise. Totally. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's such a productive thing too. I don't know. I'm kind of type A, right? So, I mean, I, I'm like, yeah, I get all these things done in one. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, it's interesting. I was listening to a talk the other day and all these meditation practices are really historically created by men mm-hmm. uh, where we sit still. And I've spent, you know, over 20 years in a pranayama practice that's been still. And it, it's interesting when I learned that the feminine energy is actually that of movement. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I felt like I could give myself permission finally to, to be in movement and still consider it quote unquote meditation as I embody my feminine energy more and more, because in these days um, we're required and expected to embody both the feminine and and masculine and oftentimes even more masculine because we're holding down so many uh, jobs, so to say, with the household, the mothering, everything. And it's, it's really key, but I think people are uncomfortable with movement because uh, how it looks Mm. and they're trying to get it right. And the idea of this embodiment practice can be really scary for people because they want structure and it's uh, uncomfortable to try to create something that is uh, unknown, so to say. Yeah. 
I mean, that makes sense. Cause I've been at retreats before where like, you know, our leaders like, Hey, everyone just break out and let's dance. And often those first maybe minute or so people are just kind of like awkwardly stepping side to side, looking at other people, instead of just like closing your eyes and just moving. What, what is moving you right now? Right. Yeah. And I, I think that can be a little bit intimidating. And that's why for me, the self-inquiry in the morning when I'm checking in or whenever I remember to check in, I try to make it the morning. Um, it's like, okay, how am I? Okay. And then trying to find it in my body and then using, you know, my breath to say, okay, and it doesn't have to be an elaborate movement. Sometimes it's elaborate, but it can just be like a shoulder shrug, you know, or, um, an extension of my toe. Like it doesn't, it doesn't like movement doesn't have to be something elaborate and fabulous, although it oftentimes is cause that's just fun for me. <laughs> um, so my, my yoga teacher always said, uh, you go to the mind through the mind, you go crazy. You go to the mind through the body, you stay sane. And I really resonate with that. Hmm. Can you say that again? I really like that. You go to the mind through the mind, you go crazy. Cause it's like the circular conversation. It's like a mind game. And you go to the mind through the body, yeah. you stay sane. And even if you're on a walk, you know, just a mindful practice of just breathing and moving and just being present, fully present, breathing into your body, um, it makes a big difference. And, and oftentimes people say, well, I don't know what I feel, or I feel lost, or I feel scared. And that's okay. That's it. Okay. That's where you are. And it's all good. And I think as women, we need that validation. And the best kind of validation is from ourselves, um, especially if you're alone in this movement practice. Um, and then there's this lightness that emerges. It's just like magic, actually, through the practice of acceptance. And that's been the hardest practice for me, actually, is being kind to myself and just accepting where I am. Well, in the coaching world, that's like such taboo, right? <laughs> we want to go somewhere. We want to go. Where's the goal? <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, that's so true. Um, you know, that kind of brought up the, the piece of change, because I think sometimes when we don't want to look at maybe what's there. Cause we know like something's going to have to change and that's going to be more work. And I think sometimes when we're coming at it, like we already are feeling depleted and at our wits end. And then thinking about adding one more layer of like, Oh, now I'm going to have to change, you know, X, Y, Z. We'll just say like, Hey, right now people are maybe just Netflix and chill having a glass of wine every night, you know, due to the pandemic. And they're like, I really need to remove that. But what am I going to do instead? And then you're going to have ugly emotions that come up. And I think that's where sometimes people get stuck is like, I have to remove so many layers to get to like, oh, this thing that's going to add more work to my plate. Do you have any tips if people are maybe in that? I think there's a lot of people might feel that right now of like, where to even begin? I know it's true. Because change is uncomfortable, even for nature, right? You know, when there's a flood, it changes the earth. If there's an earthquake, you know, there's, it's always uncomfortable. Change is extremely uncomfortable, and that's why people avoid it. But deep inside, they know they need to. Mm -hmm. um, so it does take courage. And smart people will listen to those signs of, like, I need to change. They, they know it. They feel it. It's undeniable. Um, and, and, and life will demand it. Sometimes, yeah. and oftentimes it's through a healing crisis, financial crisis, or relationship crisis. Life will present it, like you can't avoid it. Like the only constant is change. So if we can be intelligent enough, and there's a yoga sutra, hey, I'm to come, I got Tom, and it is, you know, 
avoid future miseries today mm. using your intelligence, something to that effect. And this is a very wise statement. And I think we all know it, but we have to follow our intuition. You know, as women, we are so gifted <laughs> with this innate intelligence that we're tapped into. And to shut it down is like a trespass. It's like a crime of sorts, you know. Um, and it will catch up to us. There will be payment for it at some time um, if we don't pay attention to it. And it takes courage. It takes willingness. And I think we have to meet ourselves where we are in that acceptance and forgiveness that we spoke about a few moments ago. And just to take one step at a time. And if that means maybe replacing wine with a special drink, um, like, I don't know, electrolyte water that's delicious with some lemon juice or, or, I don't know, bitters instead with some soda water or whatever drink kind of feels special that isn't, you know, sugary or it could be a Tulsi tea. It's my favorite Tulsi ashwagandha tea um, with some like, I don't know, nut milk. That's like a real treat. Um, but you can make yourself something really special to replace the red wine, but that's health giving. And I think self-care is a big thing that a lot of us avoid. And when we get into it, it's kind of addictive. I don't know about you, but I love it. <laughs> you know, and then that can mean a bath. Um, for some people, it's a, mani a manicure or a pedicure. For some people, um, it's reading a book. Other people, it's a meaningful conversation. So I think that just feeling filled up by something that is health-giving is a great tool to consider. Um, so just, you know, knowing that you need that me time and that glass of wine and Netflix is oftentimes that me time because it's socially acceptable. It's not as socially acceptable for a woman to say, please excuse me, I'm going to go take a bath for an hour with a candle. <laughs> so true. As it is, right? So it's about setting boundaries. It's about saying no. It's about making yourself a priority. Um, and it's about, you know, getting the me time that you need so that we, we stop sabotaging ourselves um, with unhealthy, you know, habits. Not to say that a glass of wine from, you know, from time to time, I, I mean, I don't do it, but it's not going to end the world if someone drinks a glass of wine. Um, but that, if it's once a month, it's different than if it's every day. Totally. Um, and totally. yeah, so I mean, for me, it's like step by step, patience, awareness, honesty, um, and just finding things that you love that fill you up, but that are health giving. Well, yeah. And I like the, I mean, even referencing where you said it will catch up with you at some point. And I, um, gosh, probably 10 years ago, I was working so much. I'm a Pitta and I was like 5am till 10pm. My schedule was packed. And every Friday night, um, after probably a year of that, I started throwing up at my, my other job. And, um, it was cause my body was just exhausted. It was fatigued. I'd be like laying on that bathroom floor at the job. And I was coaching kids like youth soccer and my, you know, co-coach would be like, all right, come on now you're done. Let's go coach. And he had like no pity on me until eventually he pulled me into his office. He was like, look, you got to make a choice. Like clearly your body and your life, it's just, it's too much. You know, are you going to choose your business or stay working here? And, um, mm. that was kind of my wake up call, you know, at, you know, I'm kind of gl glad it happened in my young twenties. Cause then that just made me aware of like, for me, that's, I know I can push too hard and do too much. So now, you know, in my thirties, I'm like, okay, 
I always know when I'm starting to tip out of balance, what those triggers are and how to kind of reel myself in. But sometimes, you mm. know, it takes some of us that like, oh gosh, I am defeated. I I've hit my you know bottom to start to realize, okay, here's what triggers those, those things. And here's how, you know, change can happen. And, um, so yeah, I definitely resonate with that. Like sometimes life has to happen before you're like, okay, something does actually need to shift in my life. Yeah. And you were so, it's so beautifully put, you know, like, you know, when your pitta is getting out of balance and, and I too, like I'll see congestion on my skin, you know, when my kapha is like getting stronger. Cause I'm also like a pitta, but I also have a lot of kapha. So um, I can put weight on quickly. Um, and, and I think we're conditioned to push through and that kind of makes us a better person. <laughs> right. It's like, it's so expected. It's like, Oh, she's a wonder woman. Mm. You know, that's actually my nickname in my community. And, um, I think it's funny and, you know, I kind of laugh because people will you know get to know me and they're like, you remind me of somebody. And then they'll be like, Oh my gosh, you really, you're like wonder woman. And I'm like, Oh God. And, but, but it's funny. And I feel like, Oh, proud. And at the same time, I'm like, but actually she also represents like superpower pushing through. And that's something that, you know, it's like, if you can do that, you are great. And, but it has its consequences mm -hmm. and it's really important for us to take the time uh, to take care of ourselves because I don't know about you, but I love taking care of other people. It is so fun mm -hmm. and it fills me up, but it can also have a double-edged sword. And it's been a real process for me to learn how to say, no, I'm not good at it, but I, I have to practice. Well, yeah. And I think a lot, you know, cause you're in the coaching field, you know, as am I, and I think sometimes you can just kind of give, give, give. And then if you have, you know, family and kiddos and all of that to take care of, you just kind of start giving away all of your energy if you don't harness that in or if you're not careful. Yeah. And it's really important for everybody who's listening to this to remember and, and, and identify the things that make them feel full, mm. make them feel filled up. And that can be nourishing food. That could be, um, you know, a walk in nature, whatever it is. It's really important to identify like three to six things that really make you feel filled. And if you're an extrovert, it's different than if you're an introvert and there's no right or wrong. Well, that's not true. There is a bit of right or wrong. Like if getting high is your <laughs> thing, you know, might want to reconsider it. I mean, that's my opinion. That's my judgment. Um, but like really, really holistic things that are going to bring you back to who you are at your core and not have you escape into, um, you know, escape, you know, like we, we all escape. I escape Netflix. Some of us escape into food. We escape into um, procrastination, avoidance of all kinds. Um, so, you know, really honestly looking at what is that? What are the things that I can practice? Because everything we're practicing, we're strengthening. I always say your daily practice is your strongest medicine. So watch very closely what you're practicing in your thought, repetitive thought patterns, in the things you're doing in your life. Like if you're sitting down a lot, maybe you need to balance that with more movement. Um, and, we, and, and you'll notice, and I notice, and my clients notice, that when they're starting to practice things that are filling them up in a way that's really aligning themselves to their core essential nature, that everything in their life starts to transform because there's more joy and peace and freedom and health and, and all of the goodness that comes with that. Oh, yes. I love that. And I, um, gosh, probably a few minutes ago, you had talked about goals and I think this is a great time to kind of interject that. I would love to hear what's kind of your stance on goals then. Is that something that you're not in favor of? Well, as a coach, we can't help ourselves and we can't help our clients unless we have a target. 
You know, you can't hit a target that you can't see. So it's a little bit, it's a little bit tricky. Um, I shouldn't say tricky. It's actually pretty straightforward. Um, but we do need goals, you know, and the scale, you know, your blood and your weight never lie. So those are really great things to, you know, keep track of to some degree. I don't weigh myself, but I'm, I'm very aware, of course, of how my clothes are fitting, how my body's feeling. Um, weighing yourself can be a good practice to, to be in. It just depends on you. And so goals like I want to be happier or more joyful can be more difficult to measure. And so it's important that we feel a sense of success in our lives. And oftentimes having an achievable goal can help us increase our, our sense of satisfaction in ourselves and our capacity to achieve because it's just a natural, you know, thing for humans. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we just, we, we like that and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but there's a, a little bit of a trap we get into as coaches where we set a lot of goals and we don't always achieve them. And then we get pregnant with possibility and then we end up overdoing. And so it can be a little bit of a double-edged sword unless we're, we're grounded in, in what it is we're reaching for because honoring the space between, you know, what is now and what you'd like to create is equally as important as, you know, achieving the goal itself. And the presence that's required and the consistency that's required to achieve that goal, you know, are, are admirable and it does take accountability. And so I, I am, I am a huge supporter of goals, but I do think it's important to stay grounded and, and to be clear about what a goal means. A lot of people are in the coaching conversation now. So sometimes my clients will send me 25 goals mm. and then like three weeks later, they've even forgotten what those goals are. And so I'd rather have a client just have like three goals and achieve them and then create three more or even have a 10 year plan, you know, and, and we can work, you know, that way. I just think goals create a nice structure and they create you know, goals that we can work on and achieve together, which is fun and exciting. Um, but I think that you just have to not be not set goals too high. Um, and you have to be really mindful about what those goals are. Like my goal is to be in the present moment. That's a lot to ask <laughs> myself. It's like really hard um, to not have the future or the past to permeate the present. And that's a practice that I'm actively engaged in. And when I achieve it, I'm like, wow, my gosh, there's so much in this moment that I would have not seen otherwise. And it's glorious, um, but that's, you know, it's a lot to ask of myself. How do I measure that? And it's tricky. Um, but I think they're they're really important, actually. But I, I think that sometimes we get overly enthusiastic or lofty about it. And we it can be uh, another way to sabotage ourselves by setting our goals too high, not achieving them. And then we stay stuck in, you know, our paralysis or overwhelm. Mm. Yeah, that's um, I'm right now taking my 500 hour yoga teacher training. We were working on our Sankalpas. And, you know, that's just like your one kind of like your one goal or intention setting that you're working on. And then once you achieve it, you create a new one. And that's been very, um, I, I realized I hadn't had a goal probably in the last couple of years, but then mm -hmm. it's kind of hard because I have, you know, like, what are you shooting for? What are, you know, like for me as a pitta, I was like, oh, I should just not do goals because it's going to be too much pushing. But I realized mm -hmm. I actually do need that. Like that's kind of like the masculine structure that I need 
but setting a goal where my feminine can also flow within that goal. So that way I have both of those kind of needs taken care of. Cause I have found mm-hmm. sometimes without that structure, I just flow all over and I'm very unfocused. So ah, they kind of complement yeah. each other, I guess. That's beautiful. I love that. Yeah. So I would love to know if, uh, do you have any mindset tricks since you're, you know, really into the, the mindset and the spiritual aspect, if someone's kind of feeling, um, just kind of in a, like a funky mood or just like needs a little mindset shift. Um, do you have any tips for people to kind of break out of those ruts? <laughs> you know, it's so funny because it's like, wouldn't it be nice if you just flip the switch? Oh yeah. You know, easy then. Like, <laughs> like, why can't I just flip the switch right now? You know, it's like, I don't want to be grumpy. <laughs> you know? I don't want to be frustrated. Yes. I don't want to be angry. You know, it's like, it's so funny. Um, I think that, I think it's really important. I really want to emphasize how important it is to check in with yourself in the morning. It really sets the tone for the day. And it, I just, I, just I, I really, if anyone's listening who can, you know, who can take this practice on, please check in with yourself, find out how you are and, um, and accept and acknowledge where you are. Um, and make a commitment for what what way of being you'd like to bring into your day. So when I say that, you know, you might have anxiety in the morning, or you might have fear, or you might even have gratitude, um, whatever it is, um, you know, just acknowledge it, accept it, and um, and then make a decision about who you want to be, how you want to be, because we're going to be doers. We're doing all day. And the way we're being is going to infuse the doing and is going to determine the outcome and the experience of your life and moments that make up your life. So looking at your way of being from an ontological perspective, I know that's a big word, but your way of being is the key. And I know I'm not using the English language correctly, but I'm using it intentionally. So when I say your way of being, um, for me, I know that in my innate essential nature, I'm very loving and I'm light and I'm brilliant. And that's the being that I want to bring into my day. I want to bring freedom. I want to bring peace. I want to bring joy. And I have to ask myself what needs to shift in order for that to happen. If, for example, I find myself in a rut, like I get triggered by someone who is rude to me, or I don't feel respected because someone interrupted me, or Um, I'm late and I'm rushing and, you know, I get grumpy because I turn into a drill sergeant all of a sudden. (laughs) It's like, whoa, that's not really who I am, actually. That's not who I want to be. And then the people around me suffer, I suffer, and it's a snowball effect. We all know. And so in the moment, you're usually wrapped up in it. And part of the, the grammar and yoga, you know, talks about and, and not only yoga, but to me, everything is going back to yoga. Is taking some distance, the ability to take some distance from any state of being that you find yourself in is really important. Like, how can you be the observer, the seer of the scene? How can you take some distance? Like, if you're in that moment and you know you're frustrated or you're angry, right? You can hear it in your voice. You can maybe feel it in your jaw or your stomach, so it's really important to be able to identify the first step is always becoming the seer of the scene. It's to be able to step outside yourself and look at yourself from afar. Even in those moments when you're overwhelmed or you're angry or you're frustrated or whatever it is that's taking you out of like who you actually are at your core. 
we have to be able to have that. So that's the first step. Can you see yourself in those moments? And you might not be able to. So that would be the first thing. Just practice trying to see yourself. Take some distance from yourself. And sometimes it's not until later that we're like, oh, I got really angry and I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean that. But unfortunately, you can't take your words back. But you could at least apologize and take responsibility. But once you've got that step, you're able to see yourself. And then you can develop what I call emotional stamina. And it's a kind of emotional agility that we develop over time and that I've been developing over time. Where once you can see yourself, then you're in a position of choice. Is this what I choose? And you only can take your power back because usually it's controlling you, the emotion. You're not controlling it. If you can take a step back, you can see yourself, and then you can then choose. Because you're choosing it whether you realize it or not. I'm choosing it. Right? I am. And it's subconscious. I'm triggered. I'm overwhelmed. I'm emotional. And so I believe that emotion is just energy in motion. And we have to move it because if it gets stagnant, it's going to cause dis-ease. And that is, yes, the word disease, but it's going to cause lack of ease in your digestive system, in the fires that you're cultivating in your mind, your heart, your belly, your uterus, your everywhere, your metabolism, your endocrine system, everything. And so once you're in that position of choice, you can make a different choice. Now it's easier said than done. So. And the breath is my biggest key. Mm. And it's the breath that is going to take me from the emotional state and change my nervous system. It's the fastest thing I know to shift my nervous system into a place of smoothness, ease, back to my being, my true essential being. And you really, I just have to take a deep breath. And that's so hard in that moment. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm working on that with my five. If I can... <laughs> oh, right. Oh, yeah. It's going to take a deep breath. Because, I, you know, when you realize the consequences of um, the overwhelm, the consequences of the anger, the consequences of the passive aggressive frustration, the consequences of all these things, the irresponsibility of it, you know, and I'm not saying it like I'm not doing it, right? I mean, I'm there with all of us. I mean, we're all there. But we can take more and more responsibility and we can take more and more power back to start to become kinder, loving, you know, people that, that can embody their true essential nature, which which isn't that anger and frustration. But we have to go through that process of acknowledging it, accepting it, choosing to let it go. And then be in a more productive state that's going to cultivate love and forgiveness and peace and ease. Mm. I love that. And the, the breath work, that's something that I personally have been personally discovering this past year as well. And I think there's more and more research coming out too. And people are wanting to study it because they're realizing how important, you know, our breath work and pranayama, which yoga has been practicing for centuries, you know this is, it works. There's a reason that it's stuck around for all of these many years. Um, and that's what I feel about Ayurveda as well. There's a reason, you know, 5,000 years ago it was created and it's still relevant today. So thank you for bringing those up. Oh yeah. I mean, people always, you know, talk about like 
the research here and the research there. And I'm always like, you know, um, Ayurveda has been around for thousands of years. And to me, that's like tested, like seriously tested. (laughs) It's, you know, it's, it's, it's really powerful. I mean, Ayurvedic herbs and the system of understanding your dosha and understanding what brings you into balance and out of balance and, um, something I've been practicing a lot is the um, ikadasi, ikadasi. How do you, I don't know how you pronounce it, but it's like that day on the 11th lunar day of the moon. Um, and the traditional practice is abstaining from grains and beans, but you can take it a little bit deeper to go with just liquids that day with, you know, warm pureed soups and, and things like that. Um, with ghee and you know just the beautiful beautiful Indian herbs um, to honor the body and the cosmos at the auspicious times for cleansing like the equinoxes mm-hmm. and this 11th lunar day of the, of the, of the moon I mean the, the practices of the Ayurvedic tradition are just so beautiful and sacred and aligned with mother nature oh oh I love that that is so amazing yeah, yeah. and that's where I mean it's it's such a vast system and it's, there's just so many nuggets in there. Um, you know, when I first even share with clients about Ayurveda, I'm like, it is such a vast system. Like what you're going to get and what the knowledge you're going to get is just a teeny, teeny, teeny bit. And, you know, these three or six months that we're working together, it really is a lifelong study and you're going to find practices that work for you. You know, once you get to know yourself better, because at the end of the day, Ayurveda really is, that's a way to listen to your body too. And that, you know, getting to know yourself in, um, from that lens, I think really helps people dive into uh, new layers of themselves. Completely. And one of the other beauties of the Ayurvedic um, system is that their detox and cleansing practices are restorative. Yes. Whereas the more traditional cleansing practices are comp- depleting. Yeah. They're very um, like, you know, and I'm not against um, all detox practices, right? But we know um, from our interest in the health industry, there's of course uh, the water fasting, which is very imbalancing. We know um, the juice fasting. Uh, there are all these different kinds of ways to cleanse and detox. And the first time I, I did a Ayurvedic detox, I thought, oh my God, I'm going <laughs> to detox from this detox. You got to be kidding me. I'm like, really? You know, I was so indoctrinated with what I thought was right in terms of detoxing. And I was blown away by the depth of the detox. Like we're, I'm like, really, we're drinking ghee in the morning on an empty stomach. I'm like, how, like, I'm allergic to ghee. <laughs> it's like, I was so judgmental. Yeah. And, um, it was, uh, it was one of the most profound cleansing experiences I have ever had in my entire life. And I came back feeling so deeply nourished, replenished, peaceful. Uh, I had reduced my weight. My skin was clear. But more than anything, my soul was at peace. Mm. And uh, it, was, it was incredible. So I, I think the practices of the Ayurvedic system are so deeply restorative and nourishing in a way that I've never seen any other system address my mind, body, and spirit. Yes. Oh, yes. Well, uh, Jennifer, I could talk to you all day, but I would just kind of love to know if people are like, oh, how can I connect with um, Jennifer? Uh, what's the best way for people to get into contact with you? Well, you're welcome to email me. Um, you're also welcome to benefit from a seven-day lifestyle plan that I have on my website for free. Um, it's jennifer Helene. Dot com. That's Helen with an E. Um, and there's an opportunity for you to you know, get, download that seven day lifestyle plan. 
And um, you can also just email me through the contact page. It's Jen, J-E-N-N, Helene, H-E-L-E-N-E at gmail.com. And you're welcome to reach out to me, ask me any questions, schedule a time to connect, um, you know, whatever, whatever you're inspired by or want to learn more about. I um, mentor people. I teach, you know, all kinds of uh, health related <laughs> subjects regarding, you know, um, food, fitness and mindset. And, um, you know, I train yoga teachers. Uh, I, you know, I, I don't do it right now, but I, all I'm saying is I'm a teacher of teachers is what I, what I want to say. And and I don't only work with teachers, but I do know that the power of our health is in our hands. It's in no one else's. And it's really important that we get correct knowledge to be able to restore our health and our minds and our hearts. And it's really up to us. And, and I think we're not meant to do it alone. I think we're meant to do it in community. That's why I love your group programs and the possibility to connect in, in all these different formats. Um, I'm also, of course, on Facebook um, and Instagram, um, where you can learn more about, you know, kind of what I'm up to every day. <laughs> I'm always sharing recipes on my blog. Um, and all the things I'm interested in, you know, are really alive in those areas. Um, but, you know, yeah, so, so please reach out to me and I'm here to, to answer questions and to connect in any way that anyone's inspired to do so. Mm. I love it. Well, I just have one final question for you. I always like to finish with a weekly challenge. And when I have guests on, I like to have you throw out a weekly challenge to all the listeners. So what would you like that challenge to be this week for everyone? I would love for the challenge this week to be for everyone to check in with themselves in the morning, like just like they would go to the bathroom or brush their teeth in the morning. I want them to take three deep breaths. And I want you to check in with yourself. And no matter what you find when you check in, I want you to fully accept and love it. And that might take three more deep breaths <laughs> to do that. Um, and then I want you to make a decision about how you want to be through your doing, right? So, you know, what is it? What is the one word that's going to guide your day through, you know, through, and be the guiding principle for your being? And it's just one word. Is it going to be joy? Is it going to be peace? Is it going to be whatever it is, whatever comes to you? So I want you to take, you know, at least five minutes to check in with yourself, to find out how you're doing um, and make a decision about who you're being and who you're going to be throughout the day. Mm -hmm. I love that. I had guessed that you were going to probably say that as your challenge. Um, <laughs> I wrote it down earlier and I was like, oh, this is a perfect challenge. And you sent me back. So we're on the same wavelength. Love it. Love it. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Jennifer, for coming on the show today. Uh, it was such a pleasure to get to talk to you. Likewise. Be well, everybody. Take good care. Mm -hmm. Thank you all so much and go out there and spread your peaceful power. <laughs>